When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. Betches Media presents... A lot of them aren't even pretending to be in charge. Slow the testing down. Remove him from office. Cast a vote that will make you proud. The Betches Sup Podcast. Will you shut up, man? Hello and welcome to the Betches Up Podcast. I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. And if you're just tuning in, the Betches Up Podcast is your daily rundown of all the crazy shit going on in the news brought to you by your two tiredest friends. Which is us. Which is us. Humored, humorous, but exhausted. <laughs> uh, what this a, is a day. rough one. This I is a rough know. one. I know. I, um, it was really weird. Like last night when the news came in at first, I was like, I feel nothing. And then slowly but surely over the course of the next hour, I was like, oh, no, I feel everything. Yeah. Oh, same. No. <laughs> yeah, I got like I was like that, too. And then when it was when, it, when she was confirmed, when it happened, I got like Brett Kavanaugh trauma feelings. Like I got brought back to that place of hopelessness where it's like this whole motherfucker's life. He gets this job and there's nothing we can do. I mean, I felt it feels a little different this time because we have some ideas about what we could do. Yeah. But I thought that would soften the blow even more than it did. Yeah. Yeah. Brutal. It's tough. And it's so it's such a bummer because I actually like um, I voted yes. at my polling place uh, on Saturday and um, I did wait in line for a long time. Um, but it was like such a good feeling when I finally cast my ballot and I had this feeling of like, even though obviously it's not done and anything could yeah. happen and even if and when Joe Biden gets elected, we still have to wait three months of Trump and he's going to be right. a complete douchebag that entire time. It felt so fucking good to vote against this man that I was like elated yeah. for an entire day. I had a feeling that I hadn't felt in such a long time. Also, I don't know if they're doing this all over New York. I don't know if this is an early voting thing, but not only did I get a sticker, I got a pen. Oh, Sammy got a pen too. The pen is also a stylus. I am the proud owner of a stylus. (laughs) That's legit. Which I never thought I would have. You got to have a stylus. A stylus is key for Instagram content. I got mine right here. I use it all the time. I use it every day because I got stubby little weird fingers. (laughs) You know what? I didn't even realize you guys. Okay. If you're not following me at Pandalees on Instagram, you're going to start seeing some stylus made content on my you heard it here first you've heard yeah. it here i got a stylus at the polls 
from my poll worker who thanked me for voting. And then oh. I thanked her for being a poll worker. And then we kind of gave each other a knowing glance, like fuck Trump. But obviously yeah. you can't say that to me because that's, you're not allowed to do that. Yeah. So- <laughs> I saw Sammy posted hers and I was kind of like, it was one of those things I was like going through Instagram stories and the pen is absolutely like the shape of a tiny pregnancy test. So I was like, Jesus, what's happening? Like, <laughs> but then I was just as excited that we all get voting pens. <laughs> the, it's, it's really, I feel that there's so much focus on the sticker. Right. And totally. we really should be talking about the pen. We really should be talking about the pen. <laughs> we really should. That's key. That, that makes sense with all the filling in. Those are going to be iconic pens. You're going to speak, yes. you can sell that pen on eBay in 20 years. The pen. Yes. Uh, wait, is that the it same also- pen you use to vote or you just get a pen on your way out? So you could have used the same pen to vote, but the voting booth also had a little pen and it took me a while to get this pen going. So I used the voting booth pen. Good for and you. Now I have been using my regular pen or my stylus slash regular pen as both a pen yeah. and soon as a stylus. Good for you. Keep the line going. <laughs> okay. So seven days left of the election. Ugh. Still have time to vote. If you're voting by mail and haven't sent it, send it right, right now. We'll talk a little yes. bit about why later on in the episode, other than you just, come on, you guys know why. So last night, the Republican-controlled Senate confirmed Judge, now Justice, Amy Coney Barrett to a lifetime appointment on the Supreme Court. The yep. final tally was, yep, was 52 to 48 with Senator Susan Collins voting against the confirmation. Nice try, Susan. Very, very uh, interesting move. I don't know. I think maybe like a dozen people in Maine will be like, I appreciate that. I'll vote for Susan. Like, Susan, this whole thing that you've been doing, it hasn't been working. You're gonna, we're going to be saying bye-bye to you in seven days. Uh, and hello to Miss Sarah Gideon, and I couldn't be more happy about it. So, Same. especially because she was, she's currently like the last remaining Republican senator in like New England proper. So yeah. once she's gone, it's bye bye, bye bye. I bye-bye. mean, it's just it's so her because when it was when it actually mattered how she voted. AKA Kavanaugh. I that too, yeah. Of course, she voted for him. But knowing that her girl Lisa was gonna was gonna vote for Barrett or whatever, and that her no vote wouldn't mean anything. Yeah. She votes no. So she has no like like the moral right. ground that she pretends to have is quicksand. It's nothing. It's bizarre. It's like, this is where you draw the line, but you were fine not voting to impeach him. What's changed? Exactly. Anytime her vote, her no vote would actually matter. She does not do it. Right. So she only does it when she knows that it's not going to mean anything. And um, to all of our listeners in Maine, congratulations on your new senator. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's true. If we're ever like, if like, the, if in some world Susan Collins stays in and she ever votes no on something favorable to Republicans and we're like, we don't know why it means some, some shady, that's a good sign to investigate why she yeah. would possibly do that. Yeah. 100%. <sighs> so this was the first time in 151 years a justice was confirmed without a single vote from the minority party. I had forgotten that Joe Manchin from West Virginia had voted for Kavanaugh. <laughs> okay all right joe she's the youngest justice at 48 um and we've repeated this many times and it bears repeating that while democrats hold a minority of seats in the senate they represent 15 million fewer people this president has now confirmed a third of the supreme court he was impeached he lost 
how it one day we'll find out how he actually won the electoral college, <laughs> but it's a mess. One day it's we're going to find out so many things and be like, wow, right. <laughs> that's crazy. One day we'll find out who Donald Trump owes $400 million to. One day. It's like probably like Ivanka. <laughs> yeah, for all the conversations that they've yeah. had, it's back yeah. oh, pay it's for the on consulting her- fees. <laughs> it's, it's back pay on all her like consulting fees for like yeah. her birthday parties for all the for all the petting. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Well, yeah. Gross. So there was a pretty unified and really clear response from Democrats last night that was kind of the most forceful that I've ever heard. Um, I'm always like an apologist for these Democrats when people are like, why aren't they doing everything they can? I'm like, well, Chuck Schumer has been like quietly trying to pull some shit all week. It's just not working. There's nothing he can do. But so he basically, they all said variations of the same thing, which is basically like, we won't forget this and we're going to play dirty too, which is mm-hmm. pretty kind of maybe I know what you did last yeah. summer. Like, Never forget. I- <laughs> I'm putting, a, I'm putting a little, yeah, I know what you did, October 26, putting a little note on all their seats. We should put that on merch. <laughs> <laughs> we remember what you did. AOC tweeted, so Chuck Schumer told Republicans, you have forfeited the right to tell us how to run the majority. The American people will never forget this. AOC echoed that, saying Republicans do this because they don't believe Democrats have the stones to play hardball like they do. And for a long time, they've been correct. I thought those two statements were notable because you don't always see a lot of rhetorical agreement between Chuck Schumer and AOC. In fact, I feel like in in two years, I wouldn't be surprised to see a primary challenge to Chuck Schumer from AOC. Yeah. So I thought this was like an interesting, everybody was really on the same page yesterday in a really forceful way, which I which was pleasing to me. <laughs> yeah, it was most pleasing to me and my homegirls. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, listen, Whatever you want to say, we got to expand the court by we got to rebalance the court by expanding the court. It's got to be done. It has to be done. It's really the only ethical path forward to restore. Yeah, it's 100 percent a constitutional process, which is more than they can say for half the (laughs) shit that they do. So I'm I'm just over it. We need to expand. We need to rebalance. We but can't also, let this stand. We can't. And Justice Breyer needs to retire on January 1st, 2021. I yeah. think he's 82. Honestly, he's wonderful. Need- but come on, yeah. let's get him. Let's get him in there. I don't think any of the other are any other of the liberals like above 70. I don't think so. I don't think so. But no. I, you know what? Also, Clarence Thomas lied in his hearing back in the whenever impeach him impeach kavanaugh yes. impeach barrett i impeach love it them savage all. impeach yeah. them all i don't get i don't give a shit i agree 100 percent with like both of those statements like they forfeited the right to tell us how to do anything and we need to play hardball with them right. so there are only two legitimate branches of government right now barely the executive branch is not legitimate the judicial branch is not oh, currently so legitimate. Only one legitimate. Oh, there's only one. Government. Did I say two? Barely, there's only one. Yeah. There's barely one. Which is there's one is chamber of one branch of government <laughs> that <laughs> legitimately represents the people of this country. Right. Right. Mitch McConnell looks at the three branches of government. And he's like, "That's a giving tree," and he's just going to take, and he's going to take, and he's going to take, and. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
brutal. I mean, um, yeah, they talked about yesterday how he he knows he knows what the future holds, and that's why he did this. So Barrett's confirmation shifts the court to a six three. As we know, there are a ton of huge cases. We've been hearing a lot about how election outcome disputes could make their way to the court, but there are also cases. I can't believe this. It's a week out. It's seven days. But there are still cases they might hear in swing states before Election Day. Yeah, like the the Supreme Court already decided in that 4-4 decision to like they held a lower court ruling that was good for Democrats in Pennsylvania. But now Republicans are trying to be like, wait, but let's get this in front of Barrett again. And it's like, no, yep. no. So transparent. It's wild. That. You can't fucking do that. They, they I decided couldn't figure already. out. They decided there. No, literally, that was the justification is that if like literally if they do that, if they do that, then we need to just bring back any case that they decide in the next <laughs> couple of months. when we like, when we rebalance the court and are like, it's true. Sorry, we're just redoing it because we added new justices. And apparently that's allowed. Like, this is bullshit. Yeah, this is like, I'm so just fucking over it. Blank slate every time. Right. Yep. And I don't understand because they keep saying every other case they always use the same explanation, which is that it's really just too close to the election to change anything. It's like, but but they apply that so inconsistently. Sometimes it's like, we made a new rule three weeks ago or like three months ago. Can we keep it now? And they're like, well, you just brought up this case, which is a little close. So actually, you can't keep the rule. And then the next day, it's like, well, you've had that rule for six months. Why would you change it? It just depends on how they feel that day. Yeah, it depends on what party the rule benefits. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. Whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of the things I like to buy on Etsy have little dachshunds on them or are four dachshunds. Dottie's got a whole litany of new sweaters and harnesses and all kinds of fun stuff that we get lots of compliments on when we're out on walks. A gifting moment is always just around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. We all know your hair and skin can sway your mood and impact your day in ways you can't underestimate. Sometimes what starts as a bad hair day quickly turns into a bad everything else day. I'd never found beauty products that really understood my needs, but ever since I switched to custom hair and skin routine with pros, I've noticed so many benefits healthier hair and skin. Yes, but beyond that too. Since I started using pros, I've noticed consistently healthy hair. Even with all I put it through with the heat tools and the hairsprays to get this pompadour sky high, it smells great, it looks fancy on the shelf, and I like that it has my name right on it. This formula is made for V. Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do, from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. From millions of possible formulas, only one is uniquely yours or mine. And Pros isn't just better for you. It's better for the planet. They're a certified B Corp, cruelty-free, and the first and only carbon-neutral custom beauty brand. 
They even have a review and refine tool, which learns from my feedback and adjusts my formula to keep up with the seasons and changes in my life. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin that they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription at pros.com slash feverdream. So get your free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash feverdream. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash feverdream. Last night, the Supreme Court declined to reinstate a court-ordered extension of the deadline for sending absentee ballots in Wisconsin. Basically, the judges were split five to three with all of the court's Republican appointees voting to reject a six-day extension that a judge issued in the swing state last month. So basically now, if your ballot, if you voted in Wisconsin and your ballot does not arrive by, I think it's 8 p.m. on election day, your vote doesn't count, which is bullshit. This means that thousands of Wisconsinites' ballots could be thrown out if they don't arrive by November 3rd. Wisconsin is also experiencing one of the worst COVID spikes in the country. So if you are voting by mail, I know if you are voting by mail in Wisconsin, I'm going to highly encourage you to drop that shit off in a ballot box or Mm -hmm. at one of your I think you can drop it off at your polling place. I mean, definitely look into the exact rules because I don't have them ahead of me. Mm -hmm. But if you are voting by mail, you have an absentee ballot, you're in Wisconsin. Yeah, go physically put that in a ballot box or bring it to your polling place. And there, are, yeah, I think if you were planning to send your ballot in in Wisconsin and that was your voting plan, I would say it's time to look at your plan B. Yeah, like to be sure. Yeah. And there are the question we get more than any other question because you know there was such an emphasis on mail-in voting because it was easy and it was a step we could take early. You know, it was like people were freaking out about all sorts of things. And finally, a couple months before the election, we had like an action for them, which is request your ballot, request your ballot, request your ballot. And then a couple months later, it was like, oh shit, maybe we should all vote in person if we can. Yeah. So a lot of people <laughs> are asking, the most common question is, can I still vote in person if I got an absentee ballot? Can I still vote in person if I sent it in? Can I vote in person if I never got it? And it really does differ by state. I think this is, honestly, I think the patchwork of election laws across the country are a form of voter suppression. Oh, absolutely. Because you can't right, figure out what the fuck is going on. Exactly. Like it's almost, and it's, it's one of, I, I was listening to a podcast about like what it would look like to shift away from the electoral college. And one of the really, really difficult things we're going to have to tackle when we do that, because we need to fucking do that ASAP as well. Yeah is that technically because states all can pass their own election laws, it's kind of, it's really hard to create the national voting system that's going to need to be put in place and all of that stuff without like the electors and all of that shit. Like, yeah, like each state would have to basically pass a law saying we're gonna go by the popular vote. Yeah. And like, what and then there's like the, the interstate pact. Yeah. Yeah. There's like, it's, I mean, it's going to be fascinating. Tough. Yeah. It, it, it must be done. It must be it done. Absolutely must be done. But it's tougher than just being like, okay, we get rid of the electoral college because then there's like an avalanche of election administration questions that come from that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, this is why I felt so tired today is because, yes, we're staring down what could be a really exciting night and victory. But it's like, 
I'm already preemptive. I was telling you this morning, I'm preemptively tired for all of this, for having to do away with the electoral college, for having to expand the court. That's going to be, we're saying that this has been like a long conversation just because now Dems are saying like, yeah, we're doing this. It's a really big decision. It's a huge move. It's going to take so much political will and political capital and Republicans are going to run on that shit in 2022 so hard. It's going to be hard. It's going to be so hard. And I'm already tired. Yeah, I mean, Joe Biden said in his 60 Minutes interview that basically once elected, he's going to put together kind of like a panel that will have 180 days to kind of, I guess, like, he's going to bring together a bunch of legal scholars and experts, which like TBT to when the president brought together (laughs) scholars and experts. (laughs) But to try to Rudy Giuliani, Michael Cohen, noted scholars and experts. (laughs) Instead of just a bunch of like low level criminals, like horny criminals. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They don't get anything done. Yeah, Joe Biden, I'm going to bring together a bunch of scholars and experts. Donald Trump, I'm going to find 10 of the horniest criminals. (laughs) Their computers are sanitized every day and not for COVID. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) um oh my god (laughs) but basically he said he's gonna put this panel together to try to figure out what is the way forward he didn't say specifically like to figure out how to expand the court he said like to figure out what we should do about the court because right overall judicial reform blah blah blah. yeah like joseph right we know what we're talking about here um, so to yeah. go back to this ruling in Wisconsin, uh, Brett Kavanaugh wrote the majority opinion on this, and he had a very weird take saying that the longer absentee ballots had to come in, the more likely an election result could change dramatically and cause chaos and confusion, which is interesting because it's not really changing the election result. It's just the result that always was the result because those are the ballots. It really sounds to me like it's like Trump can't handle we having ballots come in late. Like, yeah, we, we so, can't give people this option because it's um, too dangerous. Yeah, he kind of declined to say who gave him the impression that it would be really, really dangerous to wait for the ballots to come in, but I have an idea. And then about 10 minutes after the justices issued their decision, Trump tweeted that any results that come in after election night should be considered illegitimate. Um, This kind of leads to this possibility of a red mirage on election day with Trump leading in in in-person votes from red states. So that's scary. Um, And then, as we discussed, the Republicans also want the Supreme Court to reconsider a Pennsylvania balloting case that it was divided on last week. The five justices could not agree that Pennsylvania should override its ballot receipt extension, which allows ballots to be counted if they are received within three days of Election Day, even if they do not have a legible postmark. Now that nine justices are on the court, Republicans are urging them to take the case again, which I didn't realize You could just take the case again. That sounds like something that's not right. Republicans in North Carolina are also asking the Supreme Court to block a state change to count ballots postmarked by November 3rd that arrived before November 12th. They want to change that nine-day period to a three-day period. Like I've been saying on the pod, I've said it a million times, 
Republicans have every intention of winning this election. They do not intend to do it by getting the most votes. Right. Yeah, they haven't given up on on winning this election somehow. No. Something I learned recently, which we're going to have um, Ben Sheehan back on later today for tomorrow's episode, who wrote the book uh, OMG WTF, does the mm-hmm. Constitution actually say? Yes. And the Constitution, like, you know, explains how we actually elect people and basically those electors do it, but state legislatures actually have a big role. And in 2000, the state legislature in Florida was ready to give their electors to Bush, even though it wasn't over. Like, they were ready. The only thing that happened was that Gore conceded. Yeah. After the SCOTUS, like they were ready to basically defy the will of the people. So that's kind of what we're staring down, which seems. Yes, it's very scary. scary. And Brett Kavanaugh actually cited Bush v. Gore in his ruling. So. And you know who worked on that case? Amy Coney Barrett. And Brett Kavanaugh. And Bre- oh, they both did? Oh, my <laughs> they God. They both did. That's right. So they, they just both get to- did. So that seems like a good a little system. fun reunion. That's a cute club for them to be in. The we're young and shouldn't fucking be here club. <laughs> I know. Those two in Gorsic are just like, they probably like go to the gym together. They take jogs. They're like, we gotta yeah. stay trim so we can live to be 145. I know. They're like, can you believe that we're here? I have no idea what any of these <laughs> fucking people are talking about, but. <laughs> yeah. Who'd you get to take the LSAT for you? <laughs> and everybody's like Ruth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's talk about pop culture from the eighties. Like, it's right. like no. So, um, going to be an interesting day. Oh, Sean says that Ro- John Roberts was also part of Bush v. Gore. This is that's some- cute. I don't like this. That's really fucking cute. Somebody should we make a, a Netflix out. documentary about this. We need yeah, a we need a on election day. So, if you have an absentee ballot in your hands right now that you are intending to mail in, I would say look at your options for dropping off. Look at your options for safely going in person. It sucks that it's like this. Yeah. But we're and call we- your, yeah, you're, if you, if you're confused, like so many people want to help you just like find like the democratic group that works in your area and call them. They will be so happy to explain to you what your options are. Like I said, it's really hard to answer the question. Can you vote in person if you sent your absentee ballot back? But you might have options. I mm. just can't tell you because if I'm wrong, I could go to prison. So call <laughs> your board of elections and and ask what you can do because or or a party. Your I don't know board of elections. I so far it seems like people have had good interactions with them. Um, yeah, but like if you're but in your Alabama, local, I might not call them. I might call the Democratic Party. Yeah, your local Democratic Party or a progressive party or whatever voting initiative is going on in your area, they will know. Um, So reach out to them, figure out what your situation is. Uh, Be sure to, if you did already mail in your ballot, a lot of places let you track them and follow them online, follow up with that. I know that my fiance's ballot in Wisconsin was received Yay, and okay. verified. So that is one that we know made it by election day. Um, so yeah, that's what yeah. we got to do. I mean, it fucking sucks. It really, it really fucking sucks that, Republicans essentially have to all they have to do is get a handful of votes on Election Day in a couple of states and Democrats have to win by like 10 million votes (laughs) across the board. Every every single place that they've ever played the game like 
We have a system that needs to be fixed, but we can't fix it until we win this election and we've got one week to do it. Yeah. And I think what's also motivating is to think it a bit like we have to have a blowout just to secure the results on election night or week and through January. But I also think that an unbelievable landslide would just be such a cool thing to have in the history books about this moment that we, when given another chance, rejected this on such an inarguable scale that nothing can, nobody would ever benefit from trying to align themselves with that kind of Trumpism. I think we can send that message. So, you know, as you're seeing polling, people see polling and they think everything's good. doesn't matter. doesn't matter if Biden's 10 points ahead. He needs to be 20 points ahead. He needs to win everything. Like there's no question ever again. Yep. Yeah. I want, I, I just, I want us to say that if another Trump comes along, don't even fucking try it. Yeah, right. That person should say, oh, I want to run again in a model of Trump. And every political advisor should say, oh, but you know what happened in 2020. That's what we need to like prove. Yeah. (sighs) Okay, guys, stick around for a conversation with NARAL's Elise Hogue. So we talked on Friday when we were all in like better spirits. We knew what was going to happen, but the interview has a good vibe. Uh, we talked about like abortion. She was so cool. I've actually wanted to talk to her for a long time. Uh, we talked about the path forward for abortion rights. She sort of explains. I asked her like, okay, what? How does abortion become illegal in the United States? Because there are a lot of ways that could happen. And she takes us down that path and then explains how we can address those and talks about like what actually makes her hopeful. And I left that interview hopeful. We all dread the what should we have for dinner question. I mean, I know I do. I love a home-cooked meal, but I don't always have the time, energy, or groceries to make it happen. Being able to feast on a delicious meal without the long prep and cook times is what drew me to Home Chef over the other guys. Home Chef's meals are effortless, so I can spend less time trying to be Top Chef and more time watching it. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, or quick microwave meals that assemble in minutes, Home Chef has you covered for delicious meals without the hassle. Home Chef has over 30 options a week and serves a variety of dietary needs, so you never have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. For a limited time, Home Chef is offering our listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and of course, free shipping on your first box. Just go to homechef.com slash fever dream. That's homechef.com slash fever dream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard that right. Homechef.com slash fever dream must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going. But there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S dot com. 
Hello, everybody. It's Amanda, and I'm back today with Elise Hogue, the president of NARAL Pro-Choice America, a reproductive rights lobbying and advocacy organization that I think most of us have been familiar with for a long time. Thanks so much for being here with us, Elise. So great to be here, Amanda. You've been busy. I've seen your face on so many like lives and <laughs> Zooms, and you're out there. You're doing it. You know, we um, have a, a motto over here, which is leave it all on the field. And if there was ever a time to do it, that is right now. It's so amazing to see. It's like every time I get on Instagram, I see you, I see Maya Harris, I see everybody. There's always a crew, Mina, that are always out there hustling. It's really, thank you. Oh, thank you for saying <laughs> thank you. And it's, uh, I am powered by my incredible team here at NARAL and our 2.5 million members who are tireless, tireless, I got to tell you tireless. Yes. Speaking of tireless. So as of this recording, we're just over 11 days away from election day. I can't believe I'm saying that. Reproductive rights are for our audience by far the most animating issue. Um, I know this is really big picture, but to really get across the kind of magnitude of what needs to happen in the next 11 days, can you sort of describe what is at stake for abortion access this election? Yeah, I mean, it's too easy to say everything, right? We always say everything. And so I really try and crystallize it and pinpoint in one of the lesser noticed non-answers that Amy Coney Barrett gave in her confirmation hearing follow-up. They do, the senators do written follow-up. And one of the things that um, in the 189-page document that she refused to answer, just like she refused to answer everything at, from the stand, um, is does the Constitution allow for uh, capital punishment in the case of abortion? And she declined to answer that. And I don't say that to be a scaremonger. I really don't. I actually say that with full knowledge that my home state of Texas held a legislative hearing in 2019 about capital punishment for abortion. I say it with full knowledge that many of these state bills um, allow for investigate criminal investigation of miscarriages for jailing doctors for jailing women who are um, suspect. And the reason that that is super important is because when we think about what we are fighting for, absolutely abortion rights, right? Absolutely reproductive autonomy, the dignity to make our own personal decisions, not have some politician make them. But really, at the end of the day, this is fundamentally a freedom about uh, a fight, sorry, about freedom versus control, control of a small minority of people who use reproduction as a means of oppression for the many. And that is what's at stake here. That is the, not just policies, but the values that are on, on the ballot in 11 days. Yeah. You've brought me perfectly into my next question, which is that, you know, every time we have an advocate or leader on I find myself asking the same question. I asked this question when we had Shannon Watts on last week, which is, there is unprecedented support for the causes that you are promoting and believe in. The polling shows it. It showed it for a while in numerous different ways. Um, most, I think the, the most striking numbers relate to Roe v. Wade. Um, we're currently in a situation where 70% of Americans believe Roe should not be overturned, an overwhelming majority to believe in choice more broadly. How are we still staring down the barrel of a return to back alley abortions when that is the case? Amanda, that is one of my favorite questions. I wrote a whole book about I saw that. 
It is called The Lie That Binds. And the lie in the title of the book and the associated podcast is that the radical right is or ever was driven by a um, concern, moral or otherwise, for outcomes of individual pregnancies. Nothing could be further from the truth. They, in fact, are interested in minority rule. And they found abortion as an issue, which was previously not a polarized issue. Um, and I, by that, I mean partisan, right? It's rising at the grassroots level. But um, they found that what they could do with abortion is silence the majority. And so when we think about what needs to be done to reclaim power from these control freaks, the things I I think the first step is breaking the silence. And what does that actually mean? It definitely means throwing off the yoke of stigma, which people talk about abortion stigma. And I always remind people abortion is a medical procedure. What they're really stigmatizing is women who have sex, women who have sex who don't want to carry pregnancies mm. or can't carry pregnancies to term. Um, and throw off the stigma and start to have the conversations in town halls asking every elected candidate where they stand, telling them why you're voting. And then most importantly, back to our former question, interrogating the other side's position. Because not only do 70% of Americans believe in legal access to abortion, but the GOP, formerly a pro-choice party until 1980, has been hijacked by such an extreme wing that only 22% of self-identified Republicans agree with their own party's position on abortion. That's how out there they are. And when we don't ask the questions, when we don't say, so your position would allow for criminal investigations and miscarriages, we allow that silence to translate into minority control. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, as you said, it's like, these are very real, there's a very real path through which abortion does become outlawed in the United States. And I think a lot of people have struggle wrapping their head around us. Can you sort of, you know, whether it's people have a lot of questions about Roe, Casey, trap laws, personhood, there's a lot in the air that could threaten people's rights or their abortion access. What is that path? What is the most likely path? Um, We're obviously going to do everything we can to avoid it, but what is the path through which you think abortion could become outlawed in America? Yeah, let's start. I think you hit on a really important point that deserves to be underscored. Um, There is law and there is access, right? And for a long time, when they know that the majority is against them, what they have focused on is how do I like diminish access? How do I put insurmountable barriers in front of women, particularly low-income women, black and brown women who do not have structural power in society? That looks like the Hyde Amendment, which is a racist discriminatory policy that doesn't allow you to use your public insurance to access abortion. It looks like waiting periods, which are so offensive, like we have to have a government timeout before we can make up our own minds. It looks like clinic closings, like in my home state of Texas, where you have to travel infinite distances. So that's access. Law is something pretty new that they're willing to go straight up at, right? And that the reason they're willing to go straight up at and pass these unconstitutional abortion bans that we saw sweep the South post Kavanaugh is because they think they have the court on their side. Right. So what that looks like is um, a court that is willing to just do away with Roe. People say overturn. That sounds so soft to me. It's like mm-hmm. they want to put a knife through the heart of Roe v. Wade, which is a fundamental step towards freedom in this country. That's step one, 
because don't think they're going to stop there. They're not marching exactly federalism now. They don't mm-hmm. want the states to be able to decide. They're actually going to do a combination of state and federal legislation, which criminalizes abortion and ultimately enshrines the very, very specific and extreme belief that life begins as soon as that sperm meets that egg. And that has sweeping consequences, absolutely for abortion, but for birth control, for IVF, and for the basic kind of stem cell research that Donald Trump is on the debate stage, like boasting the benefits of a medicine he took from stem cell research. So that is the ultimate pathway. And the good news is we have similar pathways and we have the majority. So we just organize at the state level and at the federal level to cut them off at their knees. Yeah, I found it very um, odd that Amy Coney Barrett, she kept like declining to answer those questions by saying, if I were to offer a view on abortion or IVF or birth control and say something that could prompt a litigant or, or interest group to decide, oh, well, she said that. So I'm, we're going to push this through our state legislature. But is that not exactly what she does by refusing to answer (laughs) by saying, I don't know, it would be a real shame if somebody tried to overdo (laughs) IV, like over, like outlaw IVF. Wink, wink, nod, nod. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, you know, as somebody wrote after the hearing, sometimes on answers scream far more loudly than answers, right? Like, and absolutely, this is true on her refusal to answer on abortion and IVF, but come on, refusal to answer answer on peaceful transition of power, right? That is unprecedented for any level of a judicial appointment, much less to the highest court of the land. And um, they have taken this like extraordinary um, lie. I'm just going to call it a lie myth um, that, you know, they call the RBG rule and nothing could be further from the truth. RBG answered answered very clearly what she thought about abortion rights in her hearing um, to the almost like laughable proportions by literally sitting up there for three days and answering nothing Nothing at all. Instead of just saying, in civilized democracies, certain things are obvious that we can just all agree on that. I know, I know. And it's, you know, a lot of people do not pay attention to this day in, day out for a living like some of us do. And so they might see that and think, okay, she's a judge. That seems legit. But then thankfully, like you said, Kamala Harris did use her time to say, well, when Ruth, when RBG was asked this question, she actually said, women are not equal without abortion access. So I was really glad that she said that and highlighted that so Americans could hear like, no, 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 this is not normal. I mean, when you don't have popular opinion on your side, when you cannot get your agenda through legislation or through political will, you have a couple of different tools. You have disinformation, right, which they're masters at. We call their abortion disinformation, medical disinformation, and endangers public health. Yeah. And it is just lies and propaganda. And you have court capture, which we're seeing the end stages of with this illegitimate nomination. And you have voter suppression and gerrymandering that prevents the majority from making their voices heard. That has been their strategy since 1969 when the radical right thought that the GOP would be a good vehicle to impose their minority will. And we're seeing it all come to fruition now. The thing that we have is truth, righteousness, and the people. And I just believe that that will win. Yeah. I. One of my questions was, if you're hopeful about the future of reproductive rights, and what makes you hopeful? 
I am hopeful. I'm for, you know, I just touched on it, but I really, yeah. I do think people genuinely believe in um, science over ideology as a basis for public policy. And I think all the time, Amanda, if we had been willing to see reproductive rights as the canary in the coal mine as it was, if we had stood up and shouted from the rooftops when they were actually introducing legislation that required reimplantation of ectopic pregnancy, which as my doctor friends say, it's not medicine, it's magic, cannot be done, right? Would we be where we are with COVID? Because we recognize the COVID response so far in advance because it is the playbook they've been running on reproductive health care wow, yeah. for decades. So I think that, that this is a real moment where people are willing to say, uh-uh, whatever your beliefs are, whatever your self-serving agenda is, public policy must center science, facts, and data in order to serve the people. And that will bode well for reproductive health rights and freedom. The other thing that I would say makes me hopeful is this sort of um, real centering of intersectionality as a principle for governing, right? It's absolutely true that the antecedents of reproductive oppression are inextricably tied up with white supremacy cannot actually separate the two. And we're seeing that play out right now, right? The same people that restrict or outlaw abortion will not tackle maternal mortality in Black communities. The same people that restrict and uh, outlaw abortion are actually silent in the face of forced sterilizations of undocumented women in ICE custody. This is an issue that at its heart actually is about, again, minority rule and who is the minority? <laughs> The white patriarchy, right? And so yeah. the fact that we are having an open conversation about that, the fact that women of color and the reproductive justice movement have done the work of like really laying that out so that the entire progressive movement has really centered that analysis, I think gives us that sort of collective values, collective vision that not only allows us to win by uniting coalitions on November 3rd, but actually win and then be very transformative in what comes next, right? We should yes. never be promoting a abortion rights agenda without making sure that maternal, maternal mortality is taken care of in that same package. That's why I love Ayanna Presley's momnibus, right? Like her giant bill that actually looks at all elements of what women and pregnant people need mm -hmm. to survive and thrive and have the dignity to make their own decisions. And that gives me massive hope. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. So we're all really concerned about protecting Roe as we should be, but I'm curious if you think current, this is a two-part question. If you think current abortion precedent goes far enough to provide all women access, and if not, what tools might a Biden-Harris administration have to strengthen abortion rights and, act and access, whether through promoting legislative action or executive order, you know, your, I wonder if your group with your work with NARAL sort of approaches other avenues to, to validate these rights as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think that is the best question because one of the things that has been lost for far too long is that Roe was always designed to be the floor and not this crazy. Right. And the interesting thing, not to go off on a historical tangent, as I'm known to do, but one of the things that happened with Roe is it is the last landmark step forward for gender equity in this country. Wow. Yeah. ERA failed after that. 
outside of Violence Against Women Act, which again should be the floor, right? Like we had to have yeah. violence against women. We have not seen a massive piece of federal legislation that it, we're still fighting about pay equity. We were fighting about that in the 70s, right? Yeah. Um, and so in some ways, the fact that we we failed to treat Roe like the floor and not the ceiling actually inhibited progress in 2020 hindsight, right? Like I'm not critiquing anyone who came before us, um, except to learn how to do better moving forward. Um, but I absolutely think that, you know, one of the things RBG cared very much about um, while upholding Roe is that we look for legislation that we move through the states and for through federal statute that actually grounds the fundamental right for equality for women in the constitution. We still don't have that. And when we have that, everything will flow from that. But what does that look like in the near term? Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are, thank God, actually like real champions on this. We're going to have a lot of fixes to do in the agencies. HHS has been decimated when it comes to family planning and reproductive rights through Pence and Trump. Agency rules, FDA rules to make medication abortion more accessible, which has been too long, right? It's taken too long. And then we've got bills already introduced in federal Congress that we're waiting for a Senate and a White House to sign them, including the Women's Health Protection Act, modeled on the Voting Rights Act, which would make it legal for states, just as they did in the Jim Crow era, to reduce access based on discriminatory factors. Um, we've got the Each Woman Act, which would permit the Hyde Amendment and eliminate financial barriers for women and pregnant people to access abortion. So we've got so much of this ready to go, but the holy grail is absolutely grounding abortion rights inequality in the constitution. Yeah, that's super interesting. Um, yeah, as we, were, as we were hearing throughout the pandemic, I, every time somebody would be like, oh, this this very safe thing isn't FDA approved. It's like, yeah, exactly. It's annoying that medication abortion wasn't FDA approved for ages and ages and ages, despite how popular it is. Yeah. It, and ultimately, that's about power and control, right? right. One of the things that the anti-choice movement hates about medication abortion is it puts so much more hands of the pregnant person. And it, again, pierces so much of their disinformation, which is to confuse people about like fetal development at different gestations of pregnancy, because all of a sudden people hear, oh, you can take two pills early mm -hmm. pregnancy and the pregnancy goes away, wait, maybe those images that they show me are not actually real, which of course they're not real. So they really hate the idea of medication abortion. Yeah. That's also just devastating. Cause I reported a story about this a couple of years ago and a lot of religious women anonymously told me that they preferred that religious conservative women said they preferred that option because it just felt better to them. It, 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 it matched how they wanted to honor that pregnancy. And so it's really just such a shame that that option is withheld. As a final question, um, as I said, you're out and about, you're hustling. What would you suggest women do in these final days to have a maximum impact and try to move the needle in this historical election? So three things. I'll go back to number one, break the silence. Start talking to friends, family, any candidate that's calling you for support, tell them, how much you care about abortion rights and reproductive freedom, what it means to you to make a plan to vote. 
we know the biggest thing that gets in people's way is not actually having a plan. And because America makes it so hard to vote, like things getting in the way, you have to make a plan to vote and support your friends and family to make a plan to vote. And third, take whatever time you have in a day, whether it's five minutes or five hours, hook up with an organization, we'll take you, www.narel.org, get on the text chain party, get on the phone bank party, donate to your candidates. Every action matters. So whatever you can spare, get plugged in, contact voters. If we all vote, we will win. And I believe we will win. Me too. How are you? How are you? So you're from Texas. How are you feeling about how are you going to feel if Texas pulls off a big blue wave on the oh, third? Oh, I mean, we've been waiting for it for I so know. long. I will be so, so thrilled. Um, and it's coming. I mean, it is. Yeah, coming. it is. It's a, it's inevitable. Thank you so, so much for your time, Elise. We really appreciate you sharing your insights. Thank you so much. Thank you, Amanda. It's been a pleasure. Until the end of democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman, and this is the Betches Up Podcast. The Betches Sub Podcast is produced by Sean Kilby and Amanda Duberman. Our podcast managers are Mike Coscarelli and Sean Kilby. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Artwork by Brittany Levine. Be sure to follow us at Betches underscore Sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send your emails to sup at Betches.com. Betches.